Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Jake Hofer with The Land Podcast. This is the other Exodus Trail Camera podcast. And today we have Pat Porter on the podcast. This episode has aired on Trail Cam Radio, but it is 100% focused with the podcast topic for here. And we're talking with Pat Porter. He's from Louisiana and is a managing broker for Reckland Realty. And I actually came across Pat's content originally when I bought one of the books he wrote on Amazon and it was land buying tips from the pros and what he did is comprise tips from a lot of other industry professionals in kind of a quick straightforward format and it breaks down all of the kind of tips that you should know before you buy a piece of ground. Now I talk with Pat about all of these items and really good conversation for anyone that is interested in what you should know before buying a piece of ground. And Pat was kind enough. He gave us a stack of books to give out. So if you leave a written review or you go on to the resource sign-up page in the description, you fill that out or you leave a written review, hunt us down and we will be sending you some of the books for free for you to check out. So anyways, let's go ahead and get right into this. All right, we are live here. Um, I have Pat Porter here on the call and Pat is from Louisiana. Uh, and is a managing broker for his uh, firm down there and also an author. Now, Pat, the first time I ever ran into your content was actually on Amazon. I was just looking for books to read about land buying, you know, tips or any sort of information that is kind of curated yeah. for that process. And sure enough, I bought two of your books and then, oh. <laughs> and then I was looking hey, to, I need to reimburse you. I, I, mean, yeah, I reimburse you. you no, know, no, no. No, they were good. Um, and so it's been, it was kind of, it's cool that you, so for anyone listening, basically you reached out to eight agents that were, you know, top tier folks that you knew were kind of in your uh, sphere of influence and talked all about different aspects of that. And it's a quick read, but for anyone that's getting into this topic or this arena, man, it's a great place to start. Well, I appreciate that. We, I've actually, that, I think when you swerved into our stuff, there's six books, and I this week, earlier this week, we just published the seventh one. So uh, you might not have seen it yet, but there's one more out there now. Oh, cool! So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I know you're from Louisiana, or that's where you reside. Tell us a little bit yeah. more about how long you've been in the industry, and kind of a little bit about yourself. Well, um, I have a, a, a kind of a lifetime friend and a business partner, and he and I started Reckland. Uh, February, well, heck, this month in 2010. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've had Reckland 10 years together. I'm, uh, uh, he just he just runs around and and looks cool. I do all the work and I'm a broker. <laughs> uh, we've got 30 plus agents. We're in six states now, and um, it's we just do Reckland Realty. All we do is land. It's in, it's even in the logo. So mm -hmm. uh, even before Reckland, though, uh, Chuck, that's my buddy's name. He and I were you know buying land tracks uh as private you know just private people buying them improving them and selling them so we were kind of doing it before we started doing it you know uh officially as a land broker mm -hmm. so yeah you've been in the business for a little over well as a as a managing broker for 11 years and you've been in uh the land buying and selling process for for much longer you know yeah exactly <laughs> yeah gotcha so pretty much what we do now it's not i don't you know we don't do any residential commercial and so uh like I say, it's Reckland Realty. All we do is land. It gets pretty simple. It keeps it pretty simple. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. Yeah, dirt, dirt. There's only so much that goes. I mean, every every piece of ground is unique in its own way. But at the same point, um, you know, 
taking houses out of the equation definitely oh. makes it a little bit more straightforward. Oh my goodness, yeah. It's just, and and we have a, you know, we've got houses too. We buy and sell houses, and we've got a little crew that does some work, and we've got a residential uh, brokerage as well. Um, I don't, I don't do anything with that. I'm kind of behind the scenes, so. Yeah, you have to beat me with a stick to get me to uh, show or sell a house. <laughs> gotcha. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So this whole episode or podcast here is going to be all about <clears throat> folks who are probably have the dream of always owning a piece of ground um, and maybe hasn't set the goal in motion or is still kind of on the uh, very front end of the bell curve of information that they have. So yeah. I just kind of want to cover some things that, folks should really know and understand and out of the land land buying tips from the pros your book your chapter was about due diligence and i think that is um a very good place to start because i think any any good educated shopper there is a lot of due diligence um to go forth and buying a piece of ground i i agree um you know sometimes it's just straightforward i mean couldn't be easier but sometimes you get into, you know, issues with a piece of rural ground and really need to ferret those things out before you, you know, you spend too much money or you make a full commitment to it. And, and that due diligence makes all the difference in the world. Sometimes it takes 15 minutes. Sometimes it takes 60 days, depending on what you're buying. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, that makes sense. And I know one of the, the bigger things in there was the purchase contract. And from... <laughs> I mean, so I'm licensed in Illinois, but they say one of the most deadly documents in any sort of transaction is the purchase agreement. Would you agree with that? Well, yes, I would. Um, In fact, um, I'm looking at an email on my laptop with a title company that we have a closing with. And the attorney at that title company said one of the smartest things I've ever heard, and he's been in the business since forever. He said, Pat, all a purchase contract is is a roadmap for me to follow, meaning the title company, mm-hmm. to be able to get a, a, a transaction from two people talking to uh, recorded in the courthouse. And he said the better that purchase contract is, the more detailed, the clearer it is. The, it's just like following a map. If you got mm-hmm. a good map, it's easy to find a place. If the map is bad, the final destination <laughs> may be wrong. And so I've always tried to remember that the purchase contract is a, is a roadmap for the closing attorney. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously, in any sort of process, there's a lot that leads up to actually getting a purchase purchase contract in ink um, oftentimes. So that's um, definitely an important piece there. But what are some what were, what were some of your favorite lessons out of uh, that first rendition of, of the book there on Amazon? Um, you know, I, to be honest with you, I don't remember all the chapters. I don't remember all mm-hmm. who wrote what. There's a lot, a lot of water under the bridge you go. Yep. You know, but the, the things that do jump out that, that, you know, people really need to keep in mind, because um, I, I, these are things that I repeat almost on a daily basis with buyers, is, you know, first and foremost, what you're buying, if you're buying a piece of property to hunt on, a, a recreational track, it's a luxury purchase. Even if it's 10 acres, mm-hmm. you and I can live without 10 acres to go squirrel hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a luxury purchase, no matter how you slice it. And so... I always encourage people to make sure that they buy the property right. Uh, that's the first step, you know. And, and what I mean by right is they don't have to get it at a steal, but they need to buy it at a reasonable price that if their world caves in in two years, they can get loose of the property, they can sell it, they can kind of cut loose from it, mm-hmm. and really not wreck their life. If, 
if somebody overpays for a thousand acres of high-end recreational property and the world caves in they can't make the note they they you know they're going to drown with that so buying it right so that you can get free from it is my first and foremost biggest piece of advice everything else after that is just that's the philosophy gotcha so i'm sure you work with a lot of first-time land buyers as well what what are some of the the hurdles that you see with financing i think that's the one of the, the very first steps in any sort of this process of whether you're getting pre-approved or figuring out, Hey, what can I really afford? Do you see people thinking that they can't afford it? Or do you see the opposite that people think that they can afford too much? And, um, you know, you're trying to provide some guidance to make sure that they don't overextend themselves on, on one of those parcels. That's a good question. We, we sell a lot to, uh, to newbies. That's just, you know, inside baseball word. I'm sure you use it mm-hmm. too, you know, you know, first timers, new folks, newbies, whole lot and what I, I i never calculated it you know kept accurate records but i think most people that come to us are surprised that they can afford what they're looking at um you know because lending has changed so much in the rural real estate business the last several years i mean you can finance something out to 20 and 30 years just like a house mortgage now with rural real estate and get great interest rates the the, the hurdle that most people have to overcome typically is understanding that it's 15 or 20 percent down mm-hmm. and so there's there's real cash money up front as opposed to a house you know you can get in a house zero to five percent yep. but you know unimproved rural real estate it's going to be 15 to 20 percent uh for just for every lender that i know anyway that that's that's the primary hurdle and after that it's it's really pretty easy in my opinion as cheap as money is and as good a as uh, loan products that there are out there now. Yeah, that's that's a great point. What um, do you? What, what are some interesting ways you've seen folks come up with that fifteen to twenty percent? Because I know, I'm sure, there's a lot of different creative financing out there. Would you suggest, you know, based on the previous statement of making sure that people can afford it if the world comes crashing in? Would you pretty much strongly suggest having that that cash and putting it down as a down payment, or doing a, a HELOC or anything anything else that comes to mind? Ah, uh, typically it's people with cash. Um, you know, we've got to actually got a deal going right now where, where somebody's doing a HELOC. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but they, they had a little savvy about them. This is not their first rodeo, so mm-hmm. to speak, when it comes to financing something. Your typical first-time buyer, though, he may have bought a house, um, probably has bought a house. And so they have that understanding of, of the lending process. But, you know, that 15 20% down is usually cash that they they've got in a retirement account an ira uh, just have squirreled it away mm-hmm. you know so that, that probably most deals i do that's where the cash comes from especially for new uh, first timers you know yeah no that makes sense what um i mean what are some additional things that because i just based on everyone i always talk to and like you made mention the financing is the biggest hurdle is there any strategies or pieces of advice for for folks trying to build up and save that i mean obviously it's basic finances and basic saving but is there any words of wisdom or advice there uh no you know you everybody everybody keeps keeps cash their own way um you know so i i never get into the any personal stuff with things mm-hmm. like that i just tell people when people ask about financing i tell them you know hey most lenders and i'll give them four or five lenders that we do business with that understand rural real estate 
And I said, now listen, they're, they're going to require 15, 20% down. And I don't get into where you get the money from and mm-hmm. all of that. That's sort of their business in my opinion. I, but I tell them, you know, they're going to require 15 to 20% cash money down. Um, they're going to need tax returns, you know, one to three years. They're going to need you to fill out a financial statement, you know, basic financial information. I kind of give them that so that they're not put off when they call someone, when they start requesting information, I've sort of prepped them to know that's coming. Yeah. Uh, some people get overwhelmed with that. Well, you know, if you're asking somebody to loan you a bunch of money and you can't put your hands on, you know, the last couple of years tax returns, the problem is yours, not the lenders. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, you know, that's, and so I, I try to, I try to go ahead and smooth out that wrinkle in people's minds that, Hey, this is coming. It's required. You're not special. They're going to ask you for it. You got to provide it. And then from there, they can help you. And, and we have, you know, we've never had any issues with that. As far as I know, if a person's really shopping for land and they're asking the right questions up front, you can pretty much tell they, they, they've got some or all their ducks in a row. They know mm-hmm. what's coming when it comes to the, you know, having to talk to a lender to borrow money to buy it. Mm-hmm. What is the average age that a lot of these first time land buyers are just for a Man, frame of think, reference? Uh, heck, that's a real good question. You know, I, I never really put it in the form of a question, but I have thought about it a number of times that we seem to be seeing, Oh, 30s, 40s, um, mm-hmm. where guys, you know, because we live here in the South, a lot of a lot of guys work work offshore. They do pipelining. They do things where they're making good money. Um, they're they're you know they have a simple lifestyle. They're making good money, and suddenly they've squirreled away seventy five thousand bucks. You know, mm-hmm. and and as a young guy, I say young, you know, somewhere in their early 30s, late 30s, early 40s, they've squirreled away a good bit of money, and now they realize, gosh, I can buy a piece of property. Uh, I don't have to be in a hunt and lease anymore. I can own my own this, that, or the other. And they seem to be getting younger, honestly. Definitely the first time. Interesting. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So you see most of these people are <clears throat> in some sort of trades or some sort of profession. Um, where, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that that pattern probably tracks across the entire nation, if I had to guess. I, I, yeah, because it's, you know, you got to have – because you got to have a little nest egg of cash and the younger you are, you typically you're, you're in a, you know, kind of a high, high paying occupation there. So, you know, and we've got, we've got some places here in North Louisiana, especially that if, if somebody buys a property and I won't name the exact parish, but there's a certain parish up here. If somebody calls about a property there, I know they got the money because I everybody there works offshore, <laughs> and so I know what kind of money they're sort of squirreling away, mm-hmm. and you know because there's no jobs there, so they have to go off to work, and and all those are great buyers because I know they got a little chunky cash, you know. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense, and so in for anyone listening to this that's has not bought a piece of ground and it's something that's on their checklist of goals, um, would you suggest obviously getting that? pre-approval or talking to a lender first before going out and starting to look at, at some of these grounds? Absolutely. Yeah. And as far as having a, you know, a, a pre-approval letter, you know, that, that, that smacks of 131 Elm street, you know, century 21 Colwell banker, Keller Williams kind of deals. And that, mm-hmm. you know, so as far as having that letter in your hand to go look at a piece of property, I've never asked anyone for right. that. But, but yeah, I do encourage them before, you know, before you get to that far down the road, before you even make an offer, have a conversation with your lender, your credit union, whoever, tell them what you're thinking. 
and let them, you know, make sure you're good to go. That's about how I say it. Mm-hmm. Most people understand that. And then they, when they do, you know, call to make the offer, they say, hey, Pat, I talked to so-and-so. Yeah, I'm good. They say those words to me, we're writing an offer. I don't know if I've ever had one fall through for, you know, mm-hmm. for a lack of being able to get financed. People, like I say, at, at that level, and you're speaking that frankly, people get it mm-hmm. because again, it's a luxury purchase. It's not a home. It's, it's, they, they have, they, there's a little water under the bridge in terms of their experience and their, you know, their lifestyle and cash position. It's the deal's going to go through if they get to that point. I don't have to have a letter. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. So, um, let me, let me ask about the luxury purchase too. Is, do you see people try to do, you know, the, you know, it's still an investment. What's your what's your philosophy on you know rec land in terms of an investment portfolio for someone trying to justify, you know, hey, I really enjoy hunting. I really want my own piece of ground. But how do you how do you put some some investment uh, kind of factors in that column to make it a little bit easier yeah. for yourself to spend the money? Well, you know, uh, here in our part of the country, you know, uh, we're in the timber belt, and so. Uh, if, if a piece of ground can grow, uh, you know, merchantable pine timber, that's always an added little feature. Um, there's a lot of CRP mm-hmm. here. You probably have CRP there too, yep. but a lot of CRP, which is income producing ground. So there are ways that you can put a pencil to some income possibilities and income streams on the property as well. A lot of farm ground. Um, you, you may, or somebody may, but we just listed a track that's, you know, uh, I think it's 380 acres. Well, about 140 of it is bottomland hardwoods. It's great hunting, but the other 200 acres is good tillable farm ground. So, you know, you get you could lease out the farm ground and 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 keep the the, the part along the river and hunt it. And so there are a lot of options just depending on the depending on the type of ground it is to create some income that a banker is going to be interested in, and it also helps you a little bit justify to your wife. <laughs> you know that <laughs> recreational purchase. No, that makes sense. What's uh, if you had to put a rough figure on what you've seen land appreciate at you know an annual percentage down there? Do you have a range of what that looks like? Two, two three percent. Two gun to my head. That's my that's my standard answer. Two, three percent. Yep. Now there are going to be some types of usage that's gone up a good bit more, but just overall day in day out, what we do, I've always told people just count on two or three percent. Okay. Gotcha. We see a little bit more up here in Illinois, but um, we have a little yeah. bit more income producing properties too. But uh, I think exactly. Yeah, I see what your farm ground sells for up there. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Because I try to pencil it out with, because I understand farming. I look at the inputs, you know, what mm-hmm. it costs to put a crop in the ground. I look at the inputs and realize, and, and I go, how do they get that to work up there? I mean, I mean, their corn has to cut out 500 bushels a night. Yeah, you know? it doesn't either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a whole other world, and it's crazy. Um, you know, it's where I'm at. It's not uncommon to see tillable go 10, 11, 12 thousand uh, dollars an acre tillable, um, and it's it's just a whole other world. Um, we I do dabble in that a little bit, but I've, I have a much stronger understanding of, of recreational ground. I have a I have a theory as to wh- how that works, why that works up there. I mean, I won't bore you with it now. No, go ahead. No, I'm interested. Go ahead. Well, I look at because I'm going. You can't make that you can't make that pencil out in the farming business. I don't care who you are. You can't make ten, eleven thousand dollars per acre pencil out. But let's just say that 
I've always assumed that those type of tracks were being bought by um, generational farmers mm-hmm. who own thousands of acres already. They own it. They don't, ha- and they don't owe anything on it. And so they buy a, an extra, 50, you know, 100, 200, 300 acres, whatever it is, at this outrageous number. But that, all that, and then that amount just gets diluted through their entire farm acreage, and and it's not really so much a burden. Mm-hmm. But to go out and add that, and and have to make it pay for itself on its own, uh, in the ag, in the ag business, I just don't I don't see how that works. So yeah. that's the only figure I could come up with to, to justify it. No, I'd say I'd say there's some validity to that, and I would say it tracks based on a uh, on who you see in the land sales bulletin <laughs> on buying those. Usually, it's it's folks that are already pretty deep in that operation and has been doing it for for many generations, like you said. Yeah, and they're just add kind of adding that into the mix, and it gets. It gets diluted out, and it's not a heavy bur- It's not a burden, man. I, I, that's the only thing I can come up with. Sure, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, let's let's dive into a couple more potential mistakes that first-time land buyers are making. So I have a note here: Are some folks too patient or not patient enough? Um, and why the the reason I say that is I'm sure there's some people who are just, you know, all of a sudden five years goes by and they're just waiting for a quote-unquote screaming deal. In reality, they should have just entered the market and started enjoying it sooner. Or you get people that um, simply aren't patient enough. No, I think um, excellent question. Um, I already had the answer locked and loaded for that. Because <laughs> yeah. it's common. I think people wait too long and they miss they miss they miss reasonable and good deals. Trying to look for the steal mm-hmm. or trying to look for the perfect. You know, they they want they want duck hunting, deer hunting, turkey hunting, uh, flooded timber for ducks. They want to be able to cut timber. They want to pay for it all, and they want it to be 10 acres. Well, okay, good <laughs> luck finding that. Yeah. You know, so, but no, you find something that fits, that works, that um, that you can manage in terms of being close enough to enjoy. You can manage manage it financially. It's not a burden. It's an, You find something that fits. Well, pull the trigger. Just do it. If you find something better two years down the road, if you bought the first track right, like I, I always mm-hmm. preach, get rid of the first one buy the next one you know there's there's no perfect property no perfect time there's just is what it is today and so you you make your best decision based on today you make sure it won't drown you and if everything else is adding up pull the trigger now that's easy for me to say because i'm in the business of selling the stuff but i'm also i'm also a buyer and i have investors that we work together and buy small and large tracks and that's what we do we we find one where everything is close is close enough and pull the trigger and move on. And that, that tends to work. Mm-hmm. Especially for people buying their first property too. You have to think this, uh, I'm guessing most people that buy a piece of ground, it's their first, it probably isn't going to be their last, uh, throughout their lifetime. Would you agree with that? Or have you seen that? Man, that's, yeah, I, exactly. I agree with that a hundred percent. Once they get in, they're in. And especially if they've done it right, uh, if they've learned some things and made some improvements and, bought a decent piece of ground it's appreciated they you know and they can get out from under it that then they move on they they upgrade just like people do with houses you know mm-hmm. uh, so i agree with that 100 you know the first one is not all is definitely won't, most likely won't be their last one yeah especially with the wreck ground i believe i think people uh, all of a sudden you start looking at well maybe this this part of the the county would be a little bit better or you know people people are always wondering the the grass is always greener in the other pasture at least that's the illusion that that's always there, but um. exactly. And in, and in our part of the world, if you're patient, um, a lot of times you can buy adjoining or mm-hmm. very 
here adjoining ground. And so you can kind of add to your footprint. We, you know, that's, a, we see that a lot. I mean, we, we involved, we're involved in a lot of those sales. So, and that's always nice. I, you know, I always, when I list a property, I always contact the adjacent landowners and I would love for them to buy it mm-hmm. because I'd want to know if a property came up for sale next to me and, you know, just add to your footprint if you're able. And a lot of people do that. Yeah. Uh, yep. That makes great sense. What's, um, is there any other mistakes that come right to mind that you've seen over the years or you try to steer people away from? Um, you know, it just depends on the property. Um, you know, to survey or not to survey, uh, things like that, you know, and it, down here, it really just depends on the property. A lot of people come into a deal thinking you absolutely have to have a property surveyed. And, and I, a lot of times steer them away from it. No, you really don't. Not this one, not here, not with this legal description. Uh, and then just the, the other side of the coin, some people really need to have a track survey because of the way the boundaries are, or there's just, a, you know, discrepancy in the acreage and, and they don't suddenly that, you know, they're buying $200,000 little hunting track but they don't want to spend twenty five hundred dollars on a survey and and i feel like that's foolish sometimes so just not not following good guidance Mm -hmm. from people that have been around the block on stuff like that um you know getting the survey to not get a survey getting the title policy not getting the title policy again those are things that vary by state Mm -hmm. but you know depending on where you are those are critical issues um to and if you avoid them, sometimes you avoid them at your own peril. And sometimes if you just willy-nilly buy everything, well, you spend tens of thousands of dollars that you really didn't need to spend. Mm-hmm. How does how does someone new kind of navigate those waters? And I, I can guess what your answer is, but... Yeah, you talk to guys like us, <laughs> yeah. you know, you and me, we're pros. It's not our first deal. It doesn't mean we know everything, but it's our business to know a lot. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, and if a person doesn't necessarily get a good feel for who they're talking to, talk to somebody else, but, but talk to people, you know, I'm, I've been in this business a long time and bought and sold millions of dollars worth of stuff. And I'm on the phone every day asking guys questions and trying to learn myself and mm-hmm. understand things and make sure I'm on the right track. It's just, you just ask and learn, mm-hmm. but, but you gotta be humble to do that. A lot of people think they know everything, you know, be humble enough to realize there's probably some information out there you might not know. Yeah. And every deal is a little bit different too. Um, Absolutely. from my experience too so that would be that's great advice so what about so this whoever's listening listening right now and they're thinking man i really want to at least start this process um and kind of figure out what the heck i need to be doing now or at least going out and maybe putting your boot on some of these pieces of ground and, and kind of figure out what you like and don't like how important do you think it is to work with a buyer's agent to basically have someone in your corner regardless of who lists the other property i think that's good i don't I certainly don't disagree with it. I don't say that it's an absolute, you know, number one, number two position requirement. Mm-hmm. I think the first thing is, is just truly understanding how much money you got to put in the deal. So you don't spend a lot of time or somebody else's time looking at stuff that you know, you're not going to buy. Mm-hmm. I know it's fun uh, to go out there and ride somebody side by side and, you know, see deer and turkeys and ducks and stuff. But if you're not going to buy it, don't waste anybody's time or your own time. So mm-hmm. understand how much money you got, and then you can know what to start looking for. And if you can identify something right away, yeah, I, I think most people have the ability to move forward without a buyer's agent. And and that's me giving, you know, that's that's not 
conventional wisdom in our industry. Mm -hmm. We want, yeah, call a buyer's agent. Not necessarily. But if you're having a hard time finding what exactly what you're looking for in that budget, you then reach out to somebody because they're going to know properties that you don't know. Um, if you stumble into something that's not a hundred percent, you know, hundred percent clear or sure in your mind, reach out to a pro and, and, and enlist their services. It, you know, it doesn't cost anything as you know, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, but, but it doesn't have to be the number one, number two requirement. What would be some of the number one, number two requirements? Obviously, I think no. the financing was the biggest one, I would guess. Yeah, know how much money you got to spend and, and know, know what you want. I mean, look, look for yourself. Uh, you know, the Internet, of course, mm -hmm. everything's out there. There's a menu of properties right there. Go look for yourself and see if you can identify some of these tracks that you already have interest in that meet your needs that are in your budget and start looking and studying them. Go, go look at them. So uh, That's number one number two in my opinion gotcha so let's say someone finds a, a piece of ground that's of interest um and for a couple of people who you know land watch lands of america you know some of those sites where it's a syndication of a bunch of different um pieces of land from other firms on one website let's say someone yeah. finds a piece of ground that they really like uh from the listing what are some pieces of advice that you would tell people to look at before actually stepping foot on the property read all the information in the listing mm -hmm. uh, I you get me on my soapbox. Read all the information in the listing. Let me say that a different way. Read all the information <laughs> in the listing. Don't hit that stupid uh, email that says, uh, send, please send more information. No, all the information is there. Read it, uh -huh. and it'll answer most of your questions. And then and then from there, if, that, if you read the information, you're looking at the pictures, the mapping, and all that, if it's an interesting property, it will gin up legitimate, specific questions in your mind that aren't listed in the information. You can then jot those down and email the agent and go, hey, you talked about the access to da 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 da, da. Can you tell me da 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 da, da? You know, you have specific questions, and I guarantee you the agent will be more responsive to specific questions about his listing as opposed to send me more information. Mm -hmm. well, that's my biggest pet peeve in this business, and I hope the whole world somehow listens to this <laughs> and you realize you, how ridiculous you are when you say that. We're not keeping this secret packet of information that we've got hidden under our desk. It's all right there. Mm -hmm. Read it, and then ask questions that aren't answered in it. You'll get a better response from, a, uh, from the listing agents. I guarantee you. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. What about... Would you suggest people to go on the GIS map or Onyx and look at who the neighbors are or any other, you know, pieces of advice that people should dive into before, you know, going out and looking at it? Only if that matters. Okay. Um, you know, if, if I, let's just say I want to buy a piece of property in your county, it, it makes, you know, who the neighbors are, I, it's not going to teach me anything. It may uh, satisfy a curiosity itch, mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not going to teach me anything. Now, if there's a, you have a reason for wanting to know that, sure. But, yeah, I think you ought to look at as much information to know, hey, is this property, is it warming up on me? Is this something I, I'm really starting to be interested in this little track? Then you reach out to the agent and go, hey, I, I need to go look at this. I, I've studied it online. You know, I kind of got my money lined up. Let's set up a time that we can go, you know, put boots on the ground and see this track. The showing will go much better because you're already at second base. You're, you'll be looking for the things that, are important to you. You won't be walking around with stars in your eyes, gazing at the treetops. Mm -hmm. You'll be looking for specific things that 
are already in your mind because you've been to first base with the property with the information and that sort of thing. Does that make sense? No, that makes that makes great sense. I know anytime I walk any parcel for the first time, it feels way bigger. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, every time you walk it, it feels a little bit smaller just because there's less to take in every time you walk it. You know, and anytime I look at a property, uh, especially if when we're, we're buying it, uh, and I, my buddy's like this, it's kind of his language. He, he said, hey, you know, I'm, that, I, that property's getting warmer on me or it's getting colder. And and so the more you study it and look at it, and, the more, and then when you go visit it, yeah, it starts getting warmer or you go, yeah, this is really not, not, you know, this is not working for me, but you can only get to that place when you've got a basis of information already kind of in your brain to, to build on mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, okay. How about any advice for finding, you know, at market or slightly below market deals? Cause that's what everyone wants. Yeah. You know, there's no magic. <laughs> bullet for that and i get calls all the time that people watch too much late night tv or infomercials and they want to buy a track where they can cut the timber and it'll pay for it okay well that's great Mm -hmm. well good luck with that you know i and and they want me to call them if i find one well (laughs) you're a great guy jake but i'm not going to call you if i find one of those i'm gonna buy it myself or i'm gonna give it to a handful of people that have been doing business with me for years Mm -hmm. i'm not some guy that called me out of blue he's never going to get that deal so the way to get a deal is to just to look, to keep your eye on things, um, to let things just kind of, you know, brew in your mind and kind of germinate a little bit. And the only way for that to happen is to just be studying properties, you, you know, knowing what's come up, knowing how long something's been on the market, just kind of keeping your eye on things that you're interested in. That's where deals come from. Something that's been out there eight months, you know as well as I do. Sometimes owners are ready just to make a deal and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and the only way to know that is to keep your eye on the market a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, leave no stone unturned is probably the easiest way. I mean, uh, it, those types of deals I feel just take a, a lot of hard work and a little bit of luck. Yeah, exactly. But exactly, hard work, keeping your eye on the market, and then just being at the right right place at the right time when people are ready to be done. They're ready to make a good deal and move on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How long from, let's say, someone calls you and they're like, hey, Pat, I want to buy a piece of ground. How long is that evolution typically until they're actually getting the keys to a property from your experience on, like, what is that onboarding process? How long do they shop? Um, want to buy a specific piece of property that's listed or, or they're just, in, hey, in general, here's what I'm looking for. And in general, because I think that's probably where most people start. Uh, in general, here's what I'm looking for. I have no idea because mm-hmm. I – I, I, and I don't want this to sound the wrong way because I'm, I'm the hardest working guy around here. Even though I'm top of the food chain, I do all the work. Uh, I don't spend any time with that yeah. buyer. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have the luxury of the time to go shopping for somebody's 200 acres of X, Y, Z. If it's a listing, I can help them with it. But sure. just searching the world for that. I can't do that anymore. That's fair. Yeah. That, that makes, that makes complete sense. Um, Okay. What about, so they call you, how, what's the typical, how soon could they have it? I mean, obviously the, every deal is different, but just so people have yeah. an idea. It just depends on how, you know, how, how, how good their offer is, you know, and just that negotiating process between the, their offer and the seller and if the seller's willing to, you know, ready to get it, get gone with it. Um, you know, if we're negotiating a deal, and I do almost all deals verbally, 
until until we firm up a deal, and then I'll paper it up at the end one time. I I avoid going back and forth seven times with counters uh, on paper. So you know, if somebody calls me in the next twenty minutes, and depending on how good their offer is, you know, we we can have a firmed up verbal offer today. I'll send out the paperwork. We'll have it all back tomorrow or the next day. You know, forty five days for appraisal, title work, lending. You know, depending on if it's cash deal or, or a finance deal, three weeks to, to five or six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that seems about right. Here's a question for you. So you've created a lot of content in this space. I, it was kind of funny how I came across your stuff. Like I said, I bought your book on Amazon, bought a couple of them. And then I was just, you know, looking around on YouTube. And then I came across your YouTube channel. And then I put two and two together. I was like, oh, man, this guy puts out a lot of, a lot of content. How many folks reach out that – you know, how many folks reach out, reach out to you directly based on some of the pieces of information you're putting out? It's amazing the questions you're asking <laughs> of these that, are, that have been hot, either thinking about or conversations. Um, I get, I don't know, I can't put a number on it, but I get a huge amount of emails and DMs where people just maybe ask a little quick question or a little comment, and, and I reply to every comment and DM I do, uh, unless it's just somebody just being goofy mm-hmm. but i reply to everyone but then a lot of these want to have a phone conversation to discuss xyz and over the last several months i've engaged every one of them uh you know i'll set up a time they can call me and i'll spend as much time on the phone as they want um and most time it's no less than 45 minutes or mm-hmm. so uh day before yesterday it was an hour and 45 minutes in my living room so <laughs> i get a lot of that well and so because consequently two days ago I made the decision to, to kind of limit that phone conversation, counseling, consulting stuff, mm-hmm. um, by, you know, just by putting a price tag on it. I'll have a phone conversation with a new agent anywhere, anytime, but there's a little, little consulting fee for it now. And I have never been there. Uh, it's just the volume of them and the, the amount of time it's taking now. I just feel like that will at least weed it out. Yeah, you um, talk to people to who are people serious. Are, so it's so it's funny you ask that because I told my wife last night that that's what I decided to do. She applauded, literally clapped. <laughs> I live there, and she's you know cause she's watched me being on be on the phone with people, and you know she's all for it. It's just it gets demanding after a while, and it's really gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. What are some of the biggest? I guess the most common questions that you field for anyone that's listening to this, they may have the some of the same questions that you've seen over and over and over again. What, what, in regard to them being an agent or them so do you have you have more agents than buyers reach out i assume i do i have a lot of agents it, it's it's leads and how to get leads how to get your business up and going how to you know kind of get to the next level mm-hmm. uh, how to do social media typically you know how to grow mm-hmm. that's that's the over overriding question yeah it's i mean i'll just say this from from being a licensed agent there's a lot of I don't, I don't think glisten glamour is the right way to say it, but there's a lot of people that think that it's easy to make a living in this field. And I think they're quick. Most of them are quickly, quickly humbled uh, as soon as they get their license and start hitting the ground running. Yeah, absolutely. I've told this uh, for the last two years, I've been saying, Hey, you know, everybody right now that can buy a pair of Carhartt pants and some hiking boots, they're, they're all getting in the land business. You know, Uh, I've seen that the last two or three years. And it's because it's been good. Mm-hmm. Well, they've never been punched in the mouth like like I have and probably you have too. 
several years ago when things were there was nothing it was horrible um you know and so a lot of that'll get weeded out the first time things get tough mm-hmm. but right now it's good and so everybody's got an instagram account and everybody's got a cool little hat on you know they're riding around <laughs> their forehead it's 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 sexy right now but but because it hadn't gotten hard yet yeah so what would be some advice for someone that uh that is either a considering to get their license or b has it and they're like you know right now it's the heyday interest rates are extremely low there's way more buyers than there are sellers but how do you weather a storm like that you know uh keep your day job okay yeah a lot easier to grow into a good good business when you don't have to worry about making a sale to keep you know to make your truck payment mm-hmm. so keep your day job and and you'll you'll know you're ready to get rid of your day job and jump into this full time when you've got two full time jobs when you've got this this job up to or this work up to the point where you know you're missing your kids softball games your wife is yelling at you cuz you're never home you got two full time jobs you realize something's got to give well that's a good place to be in not a bad place to be in when something's got to give, let let either the full time job give or your real estate business let it give. Mm-hmm. Do what you want to do, but balance your life the way you want it. You, you can't do that until you, you you've worked this business up to the point that it's making big demands on your time. That's great advice. Let me ask you this: um, Do you have any uh, Nostradamus or hot takes on where the market may be going in the next? 12 to 18 months. I know no one knows, but you've been in the business for a long time and you may be able to see trends a little bit better than some other folks. I don't, I don't trust myself anymore. With that <laughs> man, really? Cause I, I, because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty passionate guy. I mean, I this, you know, and so I, I want to say it's going to, we're going to grit our teeth and fight through this and it'll, it'll be better than ever before. So that's where my heart is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes my heart and my brain aren't always in sync. So I, I'm really scared to answer that. Um, not not just be wrong or on your on your podcast here, but for the implications that may have for our nation and, and for my three boys and my future grandkids. I you know I'm scared about a lot of things. Not scared, but real anxious about uneasy. A lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, where does the market sit right now? I know we're blowing and going like it was, but yeah. nothing's really set in yet. Yeah, so I guess what's your what's your take on where things sit right now if you were a buyer or a seller? What's your kind of uh, minute to two minute analysis of where the market sits for anyone out there? Yeah, I you know if I would be hot to um, sell some stuff. I would want to. I would definitely divest of some things if I had a big portfolio of of, of real estate. I would divest, um, not all, but some and get in a good cash position that that'd be me mm-hmm. uh, you know but but again I, i'm also 56 years old i'm not going to live another you know 150 years so cash is a lot more important right now for me than than a lot of time mm-hmm. if i was 25 instead of 55 56 if i was 26 I, you know i'd be trying to gobble up deals mm-hmm. um but but right now i, I would lighten the boat a little bit why would you be wanting to try to buy up deals at, at obviously 25? I mean, uh, I'm 26, so the <laughs> main yeah. reason I'm asking because it's extremely relevant to myself and a lot of our listeners range in like the 25 to 35 range. I Because, you know, uh, good real estate deals have never over time gone wrong, especially when you're not leveraged. Uh, if you can if you can put little deals in your in your portfolio with real cheap money and 
maybe you know good bit down and you get a little short short time frame note uh, with cheap interest rates the way they are or if you can buy things for cash and you can put stuff like that in your pocket and keep it for a while I, I think you're going to well history's proven you're going to do well yeah you know a short cycle you may get hurt or if you're highly leveraged you may get hurt but having that hard asset uh, in your back pocket over time come on nobody's ever gotten hurt over that yeah so th- let me ask I'd you i'd love to have your 30 years you're, you're my <laughs> hero for the day i'd love to be <laughs> i appreciate that so let me ask you this and i think i'll probably i know the answer to it but in, if you had to pick time in the market or timing the market what is more important oh absolutely time in come on that's, yep that's, nobody can time the market you can get lucky and time the market, but you and I both know that that's a that that's just heck. Let's go to Las Vegas. At least we can get free drinks while we're trying to do that, <laughs> you know, while we're gambling. Right. Let's well, get, the get reason the I yeah, the reason I asked that is because I think a lot of people have been, you know, that aren't very familiar with the process have have been trained to think, man, timing in the market. Uh, I'll be ready when that deal comes. And in reality, it's like maybe you should just go ahead and enter it, start enjoying that piece of ground for. A lot longer, and it's going to appreciate and kind of like all the things you just made mention of is yeah probably just for the best. It right, so if life yep. changes, you can get free from it and get in. I'd like I say, it's it's pretty. It's my my philosophy is pretty straightforward, and and I know I'm right because I got some friends that are a lot smarter than me, a lot better investors than I am, and that's how they do it. And so I, I'm just I'm just repeating, putting it to words what I see smart guys do. Yeah, that's uh, that's simple enough. <laughs> you know, that's there's a reason why uh, they've done well with those types of positions. There's a reason, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, any, I guess uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Any other parting pieces of advice, um, you know, for first time buyers or you know people that are just kind of, you know, they've had the dream of owning ground for a long time, but maybe haven't really put it into motion yet. Yeah, real, I mean, real simple. <clears throat> um, identify what you can afford to buy. Go find it and buy it. Make sure you buy it right, and it's not a burden. You can manage it. And then and then don't get chancy on how you buy it. Go to a good title company. Get a, good, get a title search done. Get a title policy if you plan to keep the property. Do it all right. Don't get into this buying things sight unseen or, you know, buying cheap land in Colorado on the Internet and, and junk like that. Mm-hmm. Go do the real work. Put real money in it and have something that you don't have to worry about at night and you can enjoy. And when it gets time to sell it for a profit, sell it, move on if you want to and go find something else. I I'm in the land selling business. And I, one of the biggest pieces of advice I give to people is don't sell it unless you absolutely have to, or just want to Mm -hmm. don't feel like you have to sell it just because, well, you can make a lot of money in it or something. Keep it. Just, Just enjoy it pass it along make it a, a legacy family legacy thing and again i'm in the business of selling stuff but i encourage people a lot of times don't sell it mm-hmm. but do those three things buy it right you know enjoy it and and close on it properly don't get chintzy hire a good attorney and get it done right and that way you can enjoy it and never never have any nightmare scenarios pop up yeah that's that's fantastic advice i think if people just listen to the last Two minutes of this, they'll be golden. But if not, there's a lot of good information throughout this. And uh, I really appreciate your time hopping on here and uh, and reaching out or responding to my cold email. I never know. <laughs> you know, sometimes those uh, get lost in cyberspace. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And if people wanted to 
find some of your content, and I know you do a lot of it. Where can they find that? Uh, it just depends on which which platform they use. I'm on all of them. Uh, heck, I'm even I'm even on TikTok, man. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Yeah, I'll check it out. I need to be, but you can go to any platform and search Reckland or Reckland Talks, and you're gonna you're gonna find our stuff. Find me there. Awesome. Well, and then from there it all leads back all leads back to our company here and me. So. Yep. No, that's uh, that's a great strategy, and I applaud you for doing that. It's uh, it's that from Exodus Trail Cameras, we followed a similar model of trying to build information content that help people regardless of where they want to end up buying a camera and yeah. uh, that's just the world we live in and I applaud you for doing it and that's exactly well, I, how I came across your stuff speaking of that I, I know it's changing the subject but uh, I've got your email up because I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I've already been to the website I'm gonna order a camera too and just try it out well, before you order let me know <laughs> but uh, we certainly yeah certainly appreciate it